Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because you are faithful. You are faithful to us every single day, Lord, every single minute. And we just glorify you for life, Lord, and uh, just the ability to wake up in the morning and just be thankful for everything that we have, Lord. So we pray, Father, that um, you will speak to everyone here, Lord, the word that you've given me that uh, it will just penetrate the hearts and the minds of those that are here, Lord, and that you will speak, Lord, that uh, I just humble myself completely before you and every ear here will hear what it is you are saying, Lord, and only your word can transform the hearts of your people. So we thank you, we give you honor, and we ask that you will have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't want to be too long, so we're just going to jump into it. Uh, today, I, I just want to read a couple of passages of scriptures. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. And also Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 44. It's, it's the same story, but it gives... Um, two different perspectives that I want to go through. So I'll, I'll say Luke again when I get to it. But Matthew chapter 26, starting at the 36th verse. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and began to be sorrowful and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is Jesus talking. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And quickly, I'll read Luke. You don't have to turn to it if you don't have it, but it's chapter 22, starting at 39. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, Jesus, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. 
so much in these passage passages of scripture is quite a lot to unpack, but I just really want to focus on the power behind our choices because our choices are really, it's really everything. Um, you know, when I was studying, when I was back living at home in the States, I was, I had a chance, had an opportunity to study at Harvard and it was, it was a great experience. And, um, in my studies, I was pursuing a liberal arts degree and I ended up going into economics. But the reason I went into economics, not because I had this love for economics, I mean, I do, but it wasn't because of that. It was actually because I came across a professor that was just incredible. I mean, the way he conveyed his knowledge, the way he conveyed his understanding of what he was teaching was just fascinating. And it, it, it wasn't just me, it was so many of the other people in the class that really just listened and took to him. So. The, the first time I had him, it was a finance course, and I wanted to continue in finance, but I saw that he wasn't teaching finance anymore. And he was going and teaching his regular course, which was economics, so I just said, forget it, I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna follow this guy. So that's how I really studied that subject. Uh, but the one thing, uh, the reason I bring that up is because the one thing that he told all of his students, the first class, Economics 101, he said, look, if you don't get anything out of this course, if you don't walk away with anything that I teach you, it's just one thing I want you to remember, that economics always comes down to your choices. It's all about your choices. And no matter how great you think your choices will have an effect, no matter how small you think your choices will have an effect, it has an effect. It's powerful. And that's the first point that I want to actually, you know, bring out, which is our choices will leave a mark. It will leave an impact on those that are around us and on the next generation. It's powerful. When you see Jesus praying, you got to understand that Jesus, he's the word manifest. He, he is God. He is one with the Father. So... Jesus praying and being in anguish and actually trying to figure out, you know, not even so much figure out, but realizing I'm getting ready to step out of my glory and I'm human, but I'm now getting ready to take on human nature, which is sin. I'm leaving behind what I know. And the thing about that is the effect that it has is more for us than for him. If Jesus would have just said, you know what, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go back to my father. He is God. He, nothing changes. But the big impact is actually for us. Because the fact that he gave his life gave us a chance to actually be reconciled back to our father. There was no other way. And when I think about it, it's like, how often do we actually think about the choices that we make and realize that <clears throat> it will impact an entire generation and will impact everyone around us? It made me kind of go back into when I was in, I'm 40 now, but when I was in uh, grade six, and I remember this clearly, 
it was amazing the sixth grade that this happened and how much of an impact it had but it was this girl it wasn't Anna I didn't know Anna at the time so no it's okay she's not here um but it was this girl she was she was so popular it was like she was the most popular girl in the class so I went to school this particular day and my friends now mind you you have to understand that I went to a predominantly white school so throughout the school from prep to grade 12 it was maybe five black people that's it and, and everyone else is white. And it was a Christian school, but that was just, it was like, it was the norm. So in my class, I was the only black guy. And so I liked this girl and like, she was popular, she was great. And so this particular day I go in and I find out through my friends that she likes me. So they come up to me and they're like, oh man, you know, such and such, you know, she likes you. And I'm like, oh no, are you serious, what? It's like, yeah, she likes you. It's like, all right. So back then, what we would do, what we would do to kind of confirm, you know, the whole hookup is that we would write the, the note, and the note would say, will you go out with me? Check yes or check no. That, that, that's, yeah, that's what happened. Now, we weren't going out anywhere, like, you know, we were kids, so it was just like, where are we going? Like, if you really think about that now, where am I actually going? Like, if Beanie came up to me and said, oh, yeah, I'm going out, where are you going? <laughs> anyway, he's only grade one, so. <laughs> but anyway, so I wrote the note, and I gave it to my friends, and my friends gave it to her friends to give to her. This is how we did this. So it was like the anticipation is like, oh, man, this is great. So, you know, it's a sunny day. I, I'm not, I cannot make this up. I'm serious. It's a sunny day. We're out for recess. I remember how great the sun was shining. I was like on cloud nine. I was like, man, I'm about to have the most popular girl. You know, you can't tell me anything. Like I'm doing everything right. So get back to my desk and, you know, I, I noticed that the girl is actually crying. And she's with her friends, and she's crying. They're, like, consoling her. And I'm like, man, maybe something happened, but she should be happy because I'm happy, and she likes me. <clears throat> so my friends come up to me, and they were like, oh, man, you know, she, she said no. And, and I looked at the note, it was no, and I'm like, okay. Well, maybe she doesn't like me. And they say, no, she does like you. I said, okay, well, I'm confused. Like... <laughs> If she likes me, why is she saying no? And then they didn't want to say anything. They were just like, oh, well, you know, uh, it's whatever. And I just kind of kept pushing it like, why, why, what, what's up? And they just told me, he said, look, man, it, it's not you. It's just that, you know, she can't like you because you're black. And it was like, okay, now I... I'm in the middle of just all white people. So I, I don't know what to really say. But I do know it, that moment, you know, and growing up, it left a really strong impact. Not because she didn't like me. It was because her reason in not wanting to go out with me. And it's a choice. But that choice left such an impact on my life. And it actually 
made me feel as if I was unworthy of someone's affection due to the fact that I'm a different color. It's powerful. The power behind our choices. It leaves an impact on everyone around us and on the next generation. She wouldn't have learned that from her friends. She would have learned it growing up in the house that she was in. So it goes from generation to generation. So when you think about it, it's like we have to think the power of our choices will have an incredible strong impact. And it shapes not only our future, but it shapes the future in general. It really does. The choices you make will shape the future, period. You know, Jesus, when, when we're reading that passage, you see how healthy and how he reverences, how he has such a healthy fear of his father because what Jesus is doing is he's not choosing to go to the cross based on how he feels in this moment. He keeps saying, not my will, but your will. Your will be done. So he's choosing his father's will above his own. And, and, that, and when you think of it, look how the future is shaped. Look how everything changes. Look how every, I mean, even calendar-wise, when you hear, you know, AD, it's, it's, it's after his death. It, it completely revolutionizes everything, the death of Jesus. But he chooses it not based on how he's feeling in the moment. If he, could get, if he could escape, we just read, if there's another way for me to go, then let's go that way. But nevertheless, let your will be done. So you hear the struggle. You see the struggle that Jesus is experiencing, but he chooses according to his Father's will. And I think for, for me, you know, the question I put out there is, is our choice really based on the reverence that we have for God? Are we actually, do we actually have a healthy fear, a healthy relationship, a healthy reverence where we're able to say, okay, God, I trust you. I'm going to choose according to your will and not according to what I feel like in the moment. Because again, it goes back to the point of how our future is actually shaped around this. I can say that because for me personally, I remember when, again, it, this goes back to the race issue. I remember, because America, you gotta understand, America was born out of racism. It's in the soil. So it, it's, it's quite, it's, it's different there than it is here, from what I, I found. Although racism exists everywhere, America's, the birthing of America is, 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 is horrible. It's, it's racism throughout its history. So I had a chance to actually visit Ghana, and I had a chance to go to the castles in Ghana where they actually kept the Africans, they were colonized by the British, and they actually kept them in these small little confined areas. And you hear about it, you even see movies, but when you go, it changes everything. And the guy that actually gave us the tour, he was so passionate in sharing how this experience changed you know, the country, it changed our ancestors, it changed everything about who we were. And just, and I won't go into all the stories, because again, I don't want to be too long, but 
the way they would take people out of their families and out of their towns and you know we call them towns but then it would have just been their huts and everything and they made them walk so many miles hundreds of miles to get to this place that they personally and purposely built to keep these people away and treat them like animals i mean the 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 rooms that they kept the men and the rooms that they kept the women and they would promise siblings that they would see each other one day which of course that never happened and they were right i mean adjacent to each other they never saw any light the only light that would come in would be through a few bars that would come down into and and that light would be the moon so that's how they lived and that's how they treated them and so when, when it came to you know things that we all have to go through like human and you know just whether it was using the restroom, whatever, it all happened in the same space. So when I saw this and I'm listening to this for the first time in my life, I'm actually beginning to struggle with what's going on in my heart towards white people. This is the first time I'm feeling this. I never grew up this way because in my family, we never, my, my parents never, taught me how to segregate. They never taught me how to treat anyone different. As a matter of fact, my dad and my mom always told me, treat everyone the same, no matter what class they're in, no matter what social economic class they're in, no matter what color they are, you treat everyone the same. So when I saw this personally, it started doing something in my heart. I was just like, I don't even know how I can actually like, or let alone actually be around people especially of British descent, especially of just, just white people. I don't know how I can do it. And God had to deal with me with that. But it goes back to how it shapes our future because if I would have kept that and let that fester and let that build up, I wouldn't have the wife that I have today because her mom is Australian. Her mom is white. I wouldn't have my kids looking at their grandmother and, and loving them. It would be a completely different future for me. Our choices shape our future, and it shapes the future. People grow up with these things, not because they experience it, but because they see it, and it becomes a part of their DNA, and it becomes a part of their future. The power behind our choices, seriously. And so in that, it showed me, okay, God, you are amazing because God is love. And that's it. No matter where you come from, no matter what you've experienced, when you let the Holy Spirit begin to deal with your heart, you can see how he is the one that wants to impact your future. But if you don't, you actually limit God to the future that he wants to give you. It's powerful. So it brings me to the third point, which is, am I going to trust how I feel in the moment, or am I going to choose to trust God? If you look at those last verses in Matthew, Jesus said, look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, why would I want to walk into the hands of the one who has betrayed me? Like, think about that. How would you feel? 
You know, how would you feel? Jesus has to be feeling some kind of way. It has to be a lot of emotions happening because the one who is Judas, who he actually walked with, who he actually brought along, who he actually, you know, trained to be a disciple and trained to teach. And he was one of the apostles. Here he comes and Jesus knows I am about to be given and delivered into the hands of the very people that should be advocating for me, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the scribes, they are the ones that should be getting behind me. They are the ones that know the law of Moses. They are the ones that should be saying, okay, how can we get those that don't know you, Jesus? How can we get them to, to know you? Because you are the son of God. But no, it didn't happen like that. They wanted their own thing and they wanted to put this man and kill him all the way to the point that they were able to convince and the one that walked with them was the one that would betray him. So the feelings have to be ridiculously everywhere. Like, it's just amazing how he would emotionally would be, I mean, he was in anguish, he was distraught, he was overwhelmed. This is serious. But what did he do? He chose the will of God. I love Hebrews chapter 12, if I can read it really quickly, is verses two through three. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He's our blueprint, guys. If we look at him, he's the one going through this. He's not choosing out of his feelings. He's actually looking and he can see the joy on the other side of it. So he endures the cross. I think that is so powerful because when it comes to how we feel, those feelings often change and it's up one day, it's down the next, it's to the left, it's to the right. Things feeling wise, we can never base decisions and choices really out of that. But we have to learn how to actually trust God. We have to actually learn how to trust him when it comes to our choices. For me in this in this part, especially trusting God, I had a moment with God when I met Anna and we were engaged at this point and things were going crazy. And of course, I didn't know I was going to live here. I didn't know where I was going to be. I actually thought we were going to live in the States. That's, that's where we were. But it was such a struggle because I was so used to where I was and the familiar part of my life, the trajectory of where my life was going was very familiar to me. I could trust that. I could, I could lean into that. Whereas, and that was really without Anna, but when Anna came into my life, a lot of things started to shift. So I had to actually make a really tough decision. And I remember sitting on a bus going from Boston to New York at the time, which was only about a three, half, three and a half hour um, drive bus ride 
And I remember sitting there and the thought came to my mind and I really felt like it was God because it was a really clear decision for me. And that was, do you want to go where your life is going that is familiar to you? And if you go in that direction, do you see yourself going there without Anna? So in other words, without her, are you okay with going in this direction in life? Or would you rather not go with what's familiar, but you have her and you trust me? So it was like, what do you see? Because whatever decision you make, if you make it without her, can you live with that? Or is it that you have to have her and you can't actually see your life without her? And that moment I realized I cannot see my life without her. I can't. Now, does that mean, yes, there's going to be a lot of unfamiliar territory that I'm going to walk into. And still, I had no idea that meant I was going to be living here. It just meant that a lot of my life was going to shift. It was going to change. It was someone that was coming into my life that didn't know what my life was about, didn't have the same culture, didn't have the same understanding, didn't even have the same type of upbringing. So it was a lot of differences coming together. But what was familiar to me, I was actually willing and ready to let it go because I couldn't, I couldn't accept the fact of not being in life and having life without her. And when I read this scripture, I can see how Jesus was willing to let go of what was familiar and what he was used to being God, being in relationship with God, keeping the status of perfection because he was perfect, but he was willing to take on sin. He was willing to take on what we had done so that we could come into righteousness. So he trusted God over what he may have been feeling at the time. And I think, and, and I just want us to realize I look at my children now and I see how powerful it has been for me in choosing what God gave me because everything about my life gives him glory. Everything, everything he's done, everything he has done from our marriage to our children to where we live to being here, everything that God has done, it's, it's all him. It's nothing that is on this side that I say, yeah, it's God, but, you know, this person, that person. God brought new relationships into my life. He brought new people. And we all need each other. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is when God does something and you realize it's him and you trust him, it actually brings him glory. Jesus brought God glory because he was willing and, and, and enabled by the Holy Spirit to actually go to the cross and die for us. I think it's so incredibly powerful that we can see the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So as I get the music team to come back up, I really want us to think about, and again, look, it, it, does this mean we're always gonna make the right choices? No, we're human. Our feelings are going to be our feelings. Our emotions are going to be there. And it happens. Like, we're creatures that really 
deal and fill with a lot. It, it, it's a part of who we are. And God gave us those emotions. But when we see that we have a choice to choose, we have a choice to make whether it's in our feelings or it's actually in the word of God. So we won't always make the right choices, but the thing I want us to take away from this, I really want us to ask ourselves and get used to asking, and you can start the music, really get used to asking, what is going to be my legacy? What am I going to leave behind? What am I going to be known as? And just kind of rehearsing that question in our minds even on a daily basis. Because every choice you make, it matters. It really, really, really matters. And I think to help us in that question and help us even with our choices, the two things that really comes out when I read those passages of scripture is that, number one, Jesus prayed and he prayed and he prayed. I mean, just in that passage alone, he went back to God three different times. Three different times. It wasn't something, oh, yeah, I can do this. Uh, oh, no. Okay. He went and actively pursued his father. Even in the moments of him being overwhelmed and, and feeling, as a matter of fact, because of how overwhelmed he was, he went even harder to his father. So it wasn't a decision that he took lightly. And his choice, which is the second thing, will we pray? But the second thing is, will we be obedient to his will and not to how we feel? If we can all just stand. In Deuteronomy, <laughs> God tells the children of Israel I lay before you life and death and he didn't say that because he was trying to be mean he wasn't giving all these laws because he was trying to be you know an angry and a vicious and a very uh, you know tit for tat kind of God he was doing this because he actually wanted his children back into relationship with him and when God created us, he created us in his image. It was our choice as humans, as mankind, to turn away from that. So to be back into relationship with him at this time, there had to be so many things that God had to lay out. And I think even as I was reading it, it was like, God, you're so amazing because you're actually not hiding anything from us you're actually pulling back the curtain saying look if you guys do this and i'm going to give you every single step if you do this you have me so i set before you life and death choose life but what god can't do is he can't choose for you he made it so easy that he brought his son. He gave us who could do what we couldn't. And Jesus did it.
So as we sing this, this verse, this chorus, as we worship, I want us to think about what will our legacy be like? And I want us to think about the choices, not so much what we've done in the past, but what we will do that will A, affect those that are around us, affect the next generation, shape our future. And are we going to let our feelings dictate the way we choose the, and make choices and make decisions? Or are we going to trust God and be obedient and pray?